Week five of Lent. Uh, we are still in this journey, uh, this journey of reflection, this journey of introspection, this inward journey of the um, the depth within ourself crying out to the depth of who God is, uh, the depth of ourself crying out to this life uh, and, and that we're being invited into, the depth of ourself crying out to uh, an ever-deepening understanding of, of our own self. Um, this is the, the season of Lent, and uh, this is the, the lens that we've been using the last few weeks as we've uh, navigated the, the lectionary gospel texts, and this is the, the lens that we'll be using uh, today as well. Um, throughout this uh, Lenten season, um, uh, we've been inviting you to join in, in a, a sermon response ritual uh, with the rock where we paired a question with it. And so uh, if uh, you've been joining along in that, we invite you to, to have that ready um, for the end of our, our sermon time today. Um, but as we get ready to jump into our sermon, uh, we're going to pause for a word of prayer. Loving God, we're grateful for this chance to, to be together Um Again, we're, we're grateful for the gift of technology throughout this past year um, at a time where uh, we can feel so disconnected and so separated. Uh, we're grateful for any gift, any tool, any resource that um, connects us and brings us together. Uh, so we're grateful for that. Uh, even more than that, we're grateful for your spirit, which um, mysteriously meets all of us in our own homes and unites us and connects us together uh, to make us uh, the church. And so, God, as we turn to the scriptures now to wrestle with them, we acknowledge that your spirit is uh, here among us. And uh, we, we open ourselves up to your spirit to lead us and guide us and shape us and form us more and more into the image of Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, uh, Allie and I spent a week in a camper van uh, traveling and exploring Iceland. And it was like up there with some of the coolest trips that I've ever gone on. Uh, now, one of the things that you may not know about Allie is, in addition to all of her wonderful and great characteristics and traits and qualities, um, she's also an incredible travel planner. And so when it comes to like uh, planning and thinking through a trip, uh, she can find like a whole nother gear and enter into like a whole nother zone. And so we decided that we were going to go and check out Iceland, which, you know, is like a big feat, right? Um, and so she, like, entered into this zone and began to do all sorts of research and planning. And so part of that research involved reading travel bloggers, people who had gone to Iceland and said, this is what we did and this is what we thought of it. And here's even how much time you should spend at all of these different places. And so she began to, like, boil down, like, the, the things that we needed to see if we only had a week there. And so uh, as we get ready to leave for our trip, we have this itinerary, uh, which is going to best enable us to experience Iceland. So we get to Iceland and we start following our itinerary. And we quickly begin to realize like we have this itinerary that's supposed to help us experience Iceland. But then we began to realize like our itinerary was actually getting in the way of us experiencing Iceland. Because uh, we got to that first waterfall and uh, one of the travel bloggers said, oh, you probably only need a half hour there. It's not that cool. And we got there and we were like, are you kidding me? This thing is amazing. Like it took us a half hour to get to the top and now you want us to leave? My goodness, like we're standing on a rock. There's water everywhere and there's just this whoosh all around us. Like I could just stand here for two hours in the awe of all of this. But we began to feel this pressure of like, 
well, we, we have our itinerary, right? We need to stick to this itinerary. And so I think we stayed a little bit longer, but then we took, a, took off to the next waterfall. And this waterfall, everybody said, like, we need to spend two hours there. But we get there and, like, compared to the first waterfall, like, this was nothing. Like, this is something we'd have in Ohio, right? Not quite. But um, so we get there and we're like, we would have rather spent all of this time at the last waterfall. Like, that's what it would have been to experience Iceland, would have been to, to spend a few more uh, minutes at the other place. We began to realize, like, our itinerary was getting in the way of us experiencing Iceland. And as I began to, to think about that and reflect on that, I, I began to think about all of these places in my life where I cling to something. There's these, these, these things in my life that I cling to, and I expect to find something in them. Um, but I began to realize, like, with all of these things, whenever I cling to them, I actually miss out on experiencing the thing that I was there to experience in the first place. So maybe that's that trip to Iceland, but I've also begun to, to realize this this past year as a, a young parent, right? Um, within the, that first year of your child's life, like there's all of these like precious and sacred moments and, and someone who um, may not show it on the outside, but is rather sappy on the inside. Like I really want to cling to all of these precious and sacred moments, right? And the way that we do that in the 21st century is on our camera, on our phone, right? But I began to realize early on that the more that I want to cling to these precious and sacred moments behind my camera, I'm actually missing out on experiencing them firsthand. Um, I see this in other places of my life. Um, I, I, don't, I don't exactly know how to describe this one. Uh, I, I have this desire for a good life. Uh, what I mean by that is like, I went through an awful lot as a teenager uh, with the loss of my parents. And I, I just want like a good life, a life without the, the pain, the struggle, the, the difficulties of that. And so what that often means is, is I cling to like safety and security, right? Trusting that safety and security is what's going to get me to, to a good life. But I've begun to realize like the more that I cling to safety and security and cling to this desire for a good life, like I miss out on the life that comes with risks. I, I miss out on the life that comes from putting myself out there and taking chances, and I would assume that I'm not alone in this, uh, this tendency uh, to cling to things and trust that I'll find life in them, right? My assumption is that for most of us, we have this, this tendency or this proclivity to cling to all of these different things with the, the assumption and the hope that we'll find life in them. But I think the reality is often the truth, or the, the opposite is often the truth. That if we want to find life, we're not going to find it through clinging to different things, but life is going to be found in the letting go. There's a moment in the, the Gospel of John uh, where Jesus seems to be speaking towards this, this sort of pattern, the sort of uh, movement, the sort of reality, both within his life, but also within the life that each and every one of us are invited into. Um, this moment comes in, in John chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 20. Now, earlier in John chapter 12, we're told that, that Jesus uh, heads into Jerusalem for what would eventually be, be the last time. And we're told that he's heading into Jerusalem for uh, the, the celebration of Passover. Um, now, we, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, that the, the celebration of Passover was this, this major, major feast, this major, major uh, uh, celebration, this major holiday. And anybody who had any sort of like affiliation with Judaism would make this pilgrimage, this journey to Jerusalem. So Jesus is there, and then uh, we pick up our story in John 12, uh, verse 20. 
We're told, now among those who went up to worship at the festival, meaning like Passover, uh, were some Greeks. Um, so this could mean a few different things. Like these could be uh, non-Jews who are interested in Judaism, um, or these could be uh, people who have made like a conversion to Judaism, but weren't like a, a, like a, uh, a full-blooded uh, Jewish person or something like that. Regardless, they find themselves here uh, because they're, they have some interest in Judaism. And so these Greeks came uh, to Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip uh, went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So these, uh, these Greeks show up in Jerusalem for Passover, and they come to uh, one of Jesus' disciples, and they say, We wish to see Jesus. Now, John uh, is the type of author who uh, doesn't like to uh, miss out on a chance to uh, uh, make use of words. And he wants to squeeze every sort of meaning and purpose out of every single word that he can. And so all throughout the gospel, we see John using this word see in a couple different ways. And so the, the Greeks come and they, they say to Philip and Andrew that we wish to see Jesus. And, and we take this on like... Uh, and on one hand, this means like they want to see Jesus, right? Like they want to physically, concretely see the flesh and blood of Jesus. They want to see uh, the person of Jesus. But again, all throughout the gospel, we see John uh, making other uses of this word see. And it's not just in this physical, concrete sort of thing, but it's, it's a seeing from the depth of who we are. It's a seeing that wants to know, that wants to be aware, that wants to understand where life is to be found. It wants to know like where the juice of life is, where the energy, where the flow of things is. It wants to know where the source of life is. And so the Greeks come to uh, Jesus' disciples and they say, we wish to see Jesus, which is a way of saying like, we recognize that there is a life that comes from Jesus and we want to know it. We want to understand it. We want to get our hands on it. So Philip and Andrew go to Jesus and we can imagine that they say something to Jesus like, hey, some Greeks are here. They want to they wanna see you. Can we make that happen? And we might assume like a pretty straightforward answer from Jesus, right? Like, yes, I will go to them or yes, bring them here. But that's not at all what we get. We don't really get an answer from Jesus. Or do we? <laughs> because Jesus continues on here. And we're told that Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. So again, we, we kind of expect Jesus to give an answer, and it doesn't really feel like he does, or does he? <laughs> because Jesus goes into this analogy and he's talking about a grain of wheat. And he says, if a grain of wheat clings to the plant of wheat, it will remain just a grain of wheat. Meaning like if, if this grain of wheat clings to its own life or even more like this ideal version of its life becoming this fruitful plant, as long as it clings to this ideal version of itself, it's going to miss out on the experience of being a wheat plant. But if it lets go 
And if it falls to the ground, if it lets go of this life that it has, if it lets go of this ideal version of its life, and it falls to the ground and it dies, well, then it begins to grow. It begins to produce fruit. It begins to find life itself. So again, Jesus' disciples come with this request from the Greeks to, to see Jesus. And we expect him to say, yes, I'll come to you, or yes, bring him here. But we don't really get an answer, but we get an answer, right? They want to know where the life is. And Jesus talks about a grain of wheat and invites us into the same sort of paradigm. And we recognize that within our life, we have our own sort of tendencies and proclivities to cling to some sort of life or some sort of ideal version of life. And as long as we cling to that ideal version of life, then we miss out on experiencing it. Because as much as we want to cling to that ideal version of life, we become so myopic in our vision and in our focus. And all we think about is that ideal version of our life. And we miss out on the, the, the experience of the real life that's all around us. Now, I don't think we have to look too far to find examples of this, right? Um, uh, one of the ways that I think we can often see this is um, uh, with parents and their children. Um, now, as a good parent, right, like you have all sorts of hopes and dreams and aspirations for your child. Um, and it's easy for, for uh, those of us with kids to like cling to these dreams and hopes and aspirations of, of who they'll be, of what they'll be like, the things that they'll be interested in, the things that they'll pursue with their life. And so we cling to these hopes and dreams and aspirations. But then at some point along the way, we come to the realization that our children have their own hopes and dreams and aspirations, right? <laughs> and these two things don't always line up. And as much as we want to cling to these things, what, what, can happen, uh, the, what can happen when we cling to these things is that not only does a chasm begin to grow between our hopes and dreams and aspirations and our child's hopes and dreams and aspirations, but a chasm can begin to grow between parent and child as well. And so there's this desire, this tendency, this proclivity to cling to these hopes and dreams and aspirations to experience the life of our child and yet, in the process of that, it causes us to miss out on the experience of our child. I think we also see this in this strange phenomena of the 21st century called social media, right? Um, there are these people who uh, somehow are able to put like this like perfect picture of their life out on social media, right? Um, they have this rare gift to be able to have a a totally clean house at any point in their day, right? Uh, their hair always looks good. They're always dressed to the nines. Their children are always well-behaved, right? I used to be really jealous of these people, and then I got to know some of these people, and I knew that, like, that's not really their life, right? <laughs> and I began to realize, like, there's this clinging for them to put out, like, this, this image of their life. Um, there's this clinging to, like, a, an ideal version of life, and yet... And this clinging to this ideal version of life, they've missed out on like the life that can come from the mess and the chaos of what life truly is, the mess and chaos that comes from being human. See, there are all of these things that we can cling to, all of these ideal versions of our life, of, of our kids, of our jobs, of, of the world around us. But I think that, that when we cling to these ideal versions of something, we're always at risk of missing out on the experience of it. Now, this, 
this uh, tendency, this proclivity within us to cling to things uh, comes from something within us. Um, and this is uh, the, the part of us that we might call like our, our ego, right? Um, now, the ego is, is part of all of us, and our ego is the thing within us that's searching for some sort of identity, some sort of meaning, some sort of purpose in our life. But our ego is a funny thing because we're so wired for meaning and purpose and significance in our life. Like our ego will cling to anything to find it. And so left unchecked, our ego can easily become, as one uh, spiritual teacher said, the part of us that wants to be central, that wants to be significant, the, one, the part that wants to be important. And because this is where we get meaning and purpose, like we'll cling to it um, at the expense of anything that gets in our way. And this can become really dangerous because in a pursuit of clinging to being central and significant and important, this can lead to us becoming really defensive if anybody challenges that. It can lead to us becoming manipulative so that the people in our life can fit within that goal. And if left unchecked, it can even lead to us being violent to make these means happen. We have this tendency, this proclivity within us to cling to um, uh, these ideal versions within ourselves, but it can cause us to, to miss out on the experience that's right before us. So what's the solution to this? Well, Jesus keeps it really simple. He says if, if we have this tendency, this proclivity to cling, he says the solution is to let go. Because as long as that grain of wheat wants to cling to being a grain of or a plant of wheat, it will never experience being a plant of wheat itself. But the moment that it lets go, then it has the potential for fruit, for growth, for life, for new life, for new creation itself. And so he says to us, for those of you that, that, want, that love your life, you'll lose it. You'll lose the ego. You'll lose the false self that wants to emerge, the, the, the part of us that wants to cling to being central and significant and important. And the moment that we let go of that, We'll find our true self. We'll find our true life. We'll find eternal life. Now, um, this sort of teaching from Jesus probably shouldn't surprise us because like, we see this movement, this pattern, this reality like all throughout Jesus' life from his very birth uh, and in his ultimate death on the cross, which is like the ultimate letting go, right? But if we know this story well, we know that this ultimate letting go uh, is met three days later with the ultimate sort of new life, the new creation that bursts forth, the resurrection power that begins to be unleashed on the creation itself. And all throughout Jesus' life, he's inviting us into this pattern of letting go and trusting that we'll find life, new life, new creation, resurrection everywhere when we do it. So we come to our rock for this week. And uh, our question for this week is a really simple one. What are we clinging to? What are we clinging to hoping to find life or meaning or purpose? And in clinging to it, what are we missing out on? What are we clinging to? Uh, maybe as you sit with this, this question this week, you realize that the, the thing that you're clinging to is, 
related to the fact that like you're getting a little older in life, right? <laughs> and uh, there was this this part of life called independence that was such a meaningful part of life. And uh, you're finding that you're maybe not able to do the things that you were once able to do. And there's this, this tendency, this desire, this proclivity within us to cling to independence, right? But in this clinging to independence, to find life, we recognize that like our bodies just aren't able to do the things that we once were. And we actually are missing out on life by clinging to this thing. And so maybe the invitation this week is to let it go. Not let go of life, but let go of this like clinging to independence and find and discover this new sort of life that can be birthed by letting others in. Or maybe uh, this week you'll find that you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're, you're young, right? And there's this, this newfound independence, right? And you don't need anybody's wisdom or input in your life because you're clinging to this independence, right? But as you cling to this independence, you find yourself bumping into wall after wall and falling flat on your face day after day. And maybe the invitation is to let it go. Welcome wisdom, welcome input, so that you can begin to experience the life that can come from those who are further on in the journey than us. Uh, Lastly, uh, maybe the thing that we're clinging to is some sort of like, uh, ideal image of ourself. Um, like we feel like we need to think or act or um, uh, look a certain way. And we're clinging to this sort of like elusive identity. And as we cling to this identity, we recognize that we've missed out on like who God has made us to be. The goodness, the beauty, the wisdom, the gifts, the talents that God has bestowed upon us to offer to the world around us. And in this clinging, we've missed out on all of that. And maybe the invitation is to let it go and find the life that we were given to live. So whatever it is uh, for you this week, uh, whatever we're clinging to, I pray that we would find Christ there. And we would hear Christ uh, giving this non-answer answer about a grain of wheat that clings to a plant. And misses out on the experience of becoming a plant itself. And then we hear him whisper the words, let it go. And as we do that, may we experience life, new life, new creation, resurrection, and all of these places that we're desperately searching for meaning and purpose. And may we remember that life is not found in the clinging, but life is found in the letting go. Let's pray. Loving God, uh, we give you thanks uh, for the life and the teachings and the witness of Jesus. That as we go about our life trying to find meaning and purpose and significance, that we don't have to uh, go doing so without any sort of uh, wisdom or guidance or example, but that we can look to the, the life and teachings of Jesus. Um, God, I pray for all of us as we're trying to find meaning and purpose in our life, um, 
God, uh, would you would you open our eyes to the places where we're clinging, where we're becoming myopic in our, our focus and our vision and missing out on the thing that you've put us here to experience? God, would you give us the courage and the grace to let go and trust that new life, new creation, that resurrection power can be there to bring forth all sorts of meaning and purpose and life. Uh, We love you and we praise you and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.